Well, hey world, uh, let's get started. I'm Lowell Mick White, and this is Readings and Ridiculosities. Uh, today, I'm going to read another section of my novel in progress. Uh, it's titled Normal School. Uh, it's an academic noir, sort of a sequel to my earlier novel, Professed, though you don't have to have read Professed to understand it. Uh, Normal School isn't just a work in progress, it's a serialized work in progress. Uh, that means I'll be posting sections of it online each week for about the next year until more or less May 2019. And you can read the postings at www.normalschoolnovel.com. Uh, today I'm going to read episode 2, which comprises chapters 4 and 5. The chapters are pretty short, it's about 2200 words overall. So, episode 2. Chapter... Devin Shepard lived in a duplex across the street from the high school and north a couple of blocks, in one of Weirton's nicer, newer developments. A couple of young stick-like maple trees had been planted with hope in the front yard, and there were more trees, bigger trees, in back. There were some bushes in front. The yard was covered with brown and red fallen leaves. Devin's car was parked in the driveway, blinds drawn on the windows. I don't know, T said. I feel really bad about this. I shrugged. I thought, yeah, you just said that. Of course, I was getting a bad feeling too. Devin not calling in, seeing her car just sitting there in the driveway, not even in the garage. It wasn't right. I got out of T's car and stood there watching T walk up the steps and ring the doorbell. After a moment, she pushed the button again and again. She turned back and looked at me. Do you have a key? She asked. What? I asked. No. That wasn't quite a lie. I didn't have a key to Devin's house with me. I had one at my house, though, hanging on a hook by the kitchen door. I felt weird carrying it around in my key ring after we stopped seeing each other. She never asked for it back, which always sort of gave me hope. T asked, Could you maybe go around and look in the back window? Yeah, whatever, I thought. Make me a peeper. Have one of the neighbors fucking shoot me. But still, I walked around to the back, I climbed the steps up to the deck, and peered through the window. No movement inside. No lights. No Devon. The kitchen was messier than usual. Actually, way messier. There were pans and dishes stacked up in and around the sink. Big, disordered piles of papers on the dining table. A wine bottle knocked over on its side under the table, while it looked like junk mail scattered around on the floor. I hadn't been over here to Devon's house in a couple of weeks, and I knew housekeeping had always been a pretty low priority for her, but I'd never seen a messy like this before. I said aloud, Shit, Devon, what the fuck happened? A small gray and white cat came over to the, to the patio window and opened its mouth for a meow, silent through the thick glass. Hey, Fuzzhead, I said, where's your mom? The cat meowed again silently. I said, tell me about it. Back in front of the house, T was leaning against Devon's car, talking on the phone. She looked at me and nodded twice, forcefully. What the fuck did that mean? I sat on the damp steps of the duplex and pulled out my phone. I tapped on Facebook and opened it. Looked for Devon Shepard. Devon didn't post very often. She didn't really trust social media, but... But... But I read... This has been the worst 980 days of my life. 
goddamn nightmare. I've had to endure a hostile, sexist work environment. And I thought, fuck me. I don't want to read this. Shit. I looked up, feeling guilty, feeling like I was reading someone's most private diary. T was still talking on her phone. I thought, holy shit. I tried to think. 980 days, that would be... That would be, I tried harder to think, I'm not good at math or calendars. That would be like maybe three years, almost three. About the length of time Devin had worked at Southeast Kansas, of course. The worst time of her life. Though I knew that already, she'd said so many times, we talked about it often. Teaching at Southeast Kansas State University was the worst time of her life. But still, saying that publicly was different than saying it to me. I looked again at the first few lines of the post. Sexist. Hostile work environment. Fuck. Suddenly worried that someone would take the post down, I tapped on the share button and sent the post to myself as a message. I mean, Jesus. The last time I talked to Devin, last Friday, just three days ago, Devin had been unhappy, Devin had been upset, and that wasn't unusual. But before she got mad at me and called me clueless and blind and deaf, she talked around about, sort of half-hinted about what she said might be some serious problems in the department. Then she sighed and said, there's just some bad shit going on of Courtney and Nancy. But she never said what kind of bad shit exactly. And fuck, you know, I never really asked her. Courtney Keedle and Nancy Buckley, they were two of the other creative writing faculty. Horrible people. They could be up to all sorts of bad shit. They probably were. But I didn't ask Devin about them or about the goddamn bad shit. I just went home in a snit for my hurt little feelings and mad at Devin for calling me blind and deaf. And I spent the weekend working on my job materials. And I applied for a job that I immediately regretted applying for. But what happened to Devin? T pocketed her phone and walked over. She said, the landlord's coming over to let us in. Yeah, I asked. I thought, let us in. This is bad, T said. Did Devin ever say anything to you? Uh, no, not really, I said. Though, of course, every time Devin opened her mouth, she'd had something to say. And a lot of times she had something bad to say, or not bad exactly, but something she was unhappy about, something she didn't like about the school, or a student, or some dissatisfaction she'd had with T, or with Courtney, or Nancy. There's just some bad shit going on of Courtney and Nancy. Devin was unhappy. She was bummed. She was overwhelmed. She wasn't getting any writing done. She was tired. But fuck, was she any more tired or overwhelmed last Friday than she was at any other time? Maybe she was. Maybe she was and I didn't pay attention. Maybe I didn't take her seriously. Maybe I was so caught up in my own shitty depression that I didn't even notice her. I sure didn't ask about the bad shit. To T, I said, I mean, hell, I don't know. She said she was overwhelmed. She said she was tired. Everyone's overwhelmed and tired, T said. That means nothing. Chapter 5 After a few minutes, Tammy the landlady drove up in a white Ford pickup, a kind-looking and pasty pale woman with gray and red hair. I really don't like letting you in like this, Tammy said. It's kind of an invasion of her privacy, you know? T said, well, we're worried. Well, I mean, geez, Tammy said. Did you call her brother? T looked at me. I shrugged. Devin's brother, Anthony. Was I supposed to call Devin's brother? 
I'd never met Anthony, I just knew that he existed somewhere. A truck driver based in Atlanta or someplace like that, and then he seemed to be in trouble a lot, in and out of jail. T shrugged too. Well, we didn't want to worry him until... Until what? I shook my head. You know, fucking tea. I don't like this, Tammy said. Still, she unlocked the front door and stepped back to let T go inside, to let me go inside too. Fuzzhead the cat trotted over to greet us, yowling. The front room was messy, scattered papers everywhere across the floor, books in odd places, three wine bottles and four glasses on a table by the couch. Four glasses. Wait. I stared at the glasses. Why four wine glasses? Devin usually drank wine from coffee mugs. Easier to clean up, she'd said. Less likely to spill. But maybe this time she was celebrating, or something. A special night. It might have been. It must have been. Devin, T called. Are you home? I glanced back over my shoulder at Tammy, the landlady, who was standing there wide-eyed. Hey, fuck. At last, I finally fully agreed with T. Yeah, this was bad. Before, you know, I'd been kind of irritated at having to leave my comfortable dim office and go outside and hang around with T and deal with something, and I really had been thinking, hoping, that Devin was just so disgusted with Southeast Kansas that she didn't want to come to work, or that she was lolling around drunk or high, or maybe she had really found herself a new boyfriend, or maybe she was just at least normally sick with a cold. But looking around that room, seeing all that mess, hearing the hungry cat yowl, I felt a sudden big quiet knot of doom, of tension, of fear in my chest. I mean, holy fuck, this was really bad. Devin, T called, are you okay? I didn't think Devin was okay. No. The last time I saw Devin, only last Friday, she'd been angry, tired, frowning, sad, suspicious of whatever bad shit Courtney were, uh, and Nancy were up to, which is to say she was pretty much normal. That's how she'd been for most of the three years I'd known her. I mean, what the fuck should I have said to her? Courtney and Nancy were always up to some bad shit or other. I was unimpressed. I was bored. I had other things on my mind. What the fuck was I supposed to say? The thing is, I didn't say anything. I let her walk away, and I didn't really ask what the problem was. Damn it, Devin, what the hell happened to you? I realized Tammy was standing there behind me wide-eyed, but also sickly eager to violate Devin's privacy herself and look inside. T was still standing stock still in the middle of the messy, cluttered living room. Devin, T called, are you okay? Fuck you, T, I thought, she's not okay. I stepped on into the house, into the living room, and I immediately smelled the unemptied cat box. But I smelled something else, too. Something greasy and heavy, like meat. Hey, fuck. I walked on in past T and went into the kitchen. Fuzz had the cat following. There was a bit of water left in one of the cat bowls, but the food bowl was empty. The poor kitty. Tom, T said, you can feed the cat later. I found a bag of dry cat food on the kitchen counter, half hidden among the wadded up plastic scattered grocery bags, three more empty wine bottles, and a pizza box. I filled the empty bowl and placed it on the floor for the hungry cat. T was staring at me like I was crazy. She looked horrified. She said, you don't have to do that now. Mr. Fuzzhead's hungry, I said. I bent down and patted the little cat, felt him purr. Wow, this is bad, Tammy said. Look at the wine stains on the carpet. We'll have to get that cleaned. Tom, T asked, 
We need to find Devon. Maybe she's in the bedroom? T stood there looking at me with her watery, half-bulging eyes, waiting for me to lead the way. I just looked back at her, feeling that scared tightness in my chest. I thought, Fuck you. You're the boss. You go first. <coughs> the landlady pointed down the hall. The bedrooms are back there. I knew where the bedrooms were, but I was goddamned if I was going to be the first one to go snooping down there. Devin was down there, probably. I stood there feeling pressured and tense, stubborn too, and after a moment, he started down the hall. The first door on the right was Devin's office. The desk and the area around the desk were co was covered with random scattered piles of paper. The computer not monitor peeped out from the pile. The printer was almost buried. The keyboard beneath it somewhere buried and balls of wadded up paper overflowed from the wastebasket and were scattered across the floor. But probably two-thirds of the room was taken up with tall stacks of cardboard boxes unopened or half-opened. I remembered those boxes. I mean, poor fucking Devin. She never finished unpacking, I said. Even after three years, she never said she had enough time to put things away. The bedroom was on the second door. It was the second door on the left. It was closed. Devin always slept with the door open so Fuzzhead could come and go. Why was the door closed? Devin, T called. Devin, are you okay? There's not going to be an answer, I thought. I know that. Don't you know that? Devin's not in there taking a nap. She's not in there getting laid. T cracked the door open and peeped in and gasped. Then she turned and pushed past me, past Tammy, and bolted back down the hall. Over her shoulder, she said, Call 911. I looked into the room. There was Devin, dead. Of course. Predictable, right? After all this, everyone's bad feelings come true. Devin laid out on her bed, on her side. Brownish stinking stains on the sheets. Pale, dead flesh, greenish and moist and nasty in the dim light. Hip up in the air, naked from the waist down. Wearing a University of Georgia football jersey. Number 34, Herschel Walker. The Georgia Bulldogs. Devin loved Georgia. She'd wished that she'd never come to Kansas. But there she was now, in Kansas, dead. Tom! T, T yelled from the front of the house. Call 911! Fuck you, I thought. You're the chair. You and your people treated Devin like shit for three years and now you won't even call 911 for her. But still I made the call. And it goes on from there with uh, plenty of ridiculosities and madnesses and extremely bad behaviors. You can read the latest episodes at www.normalschoolnovel.com and you can always find me on my website www.lowellmcwhite.com or on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram under my uh, certified name, Lowell McWhite. Thanks. <laughs>